My name is Avery Haller. I am the Executive Director of Strategy and Partnerships at Health Gorilla. And today, Dr. Stephen Lane and I are going to be talking about our newest product at Health Gorilla, Patient Access. We are both very excited about this project, um, both on personal and professional levels. Um, so I'm actually going to start out our session by kicking it over to Dr. Lane to talk to us about why patient access is so important. Thank you, Avery. So uh, obviously, patients getting access to their own data is, is critical. It's critical in terms of uh, patient education, patient engagement, and having patients really understand the full breadth of the care that they're receiving. You know, we've been on a long journey with patients being able to access their own information. Uh, it really started with requests for paper records and copies through the Health Information Management Department. And then about 21 years ago, I was part of a team that, that launched the very first uh, EHR tethered patient portal 22 years ago um, and uh, so that was my chart the very first version of that and uh, we've seen a lot of progress over the last couple of decades in use of the patient portal uh, certainly most health systems today have a portal but patients are really still stuck being able to access each organization individually uh, to be able to collect uh, view that data uh, and interact with that system but not have that be a more holistic solution uh, about five Plus years ago, uh, with the advent of the fire standards, uh, we started to see some uh, apps being developed that would allow patients to log in and access the data from their portals using a fire API. Uh, and that has been supported broadly by the ONC uh, and other federal agencies. Uh, so Apple Health was one of the first. There were some smaller players, Common Health for the, uh, the Google Android ecosystem. But there's been some progress and uptake for that. There again, what you get is the ability to download data into an app of your choice and to be able to then view that, potentially share it with others, potentially allow other apps to work on that. So as the 21st Century Cures Act came forward, uh, as we start to see more federal incentivization uh, of data sharing and specifically patient access, we have the advent of the, the Trusted Exchange Framework and Common Agreement, the TEFCA. Uh, and with TEFCA, there is a required response for all QHINs and all participants to respond to queries for patient access uh, that are done under the TEFCA. So we're seeing that move forward. Um, and as you're going to demonstrate clearly, uh, Health Gorilla is trying to get in front of that. So Health Gorilla, as one of the first QHINs anticipating going live with TEFCA later this year, uh, is now already launching patient access to begin to be able to exercise these new methodologies, sort of building on the work that was done by Apple Health, Common Health, and others doing a Firebase query, but allowing more entities to get involved, and not only for patients themselves to collect and utilize their own data, but for patients to be able to authorize these accesses. That's one of the key things. So many of the use cases for access to data involves the patient authorization. Uh, and if we can do that and utilize the individual access services purpose of use that's afforded by TEFCA, we can then unlock that ability for uh, patients to both access the data themselves and to authorize access by, by other parties. Absolutely. Thank you, Dr. Lane, for that introduction. All right, so I am going to dig um, 
a lot more into our specific patient access product at this point. So what were we trying to solve here at Health Gorilla? A big thing that we were trying to solve is the, the networks today, the national networks, have done a great job of exchanging clinical data for treatment purpose. But often patients want to access and share their data for purposes other than treatment. Um, they may want to participate in a clinical trial. They may want to enroll with their payer in a specific program to get them access to um, free resources around their chronic condition. And in order to do that, they would like to share their data. And this is not really something that had been contemplated um, in the networks in a, um, in a finalized way. Obviously, there's been many conversations over the years. Um, but really, with TAFCA, we're seeing it come together and saying patients have a right to access their data and patients have a right to share their data where and when they want it to be shared. So we're really working on making sure that patients have that right. Um, making sure that patients have easier ways than they have in the past to access their data. So one thing you'll hear a lot about today is that the way that we have facilitated patient access is a little bit different than how it's been done in the past. Um, but we also have that backwards and forwards compatibility to use some of those past methods. So let me tell you what I'm talking about. In our patient access application, um, first of all, everything that we do is powered by APIs. So we do have a UI. You will see pictures of the UI, but all of it's available in API. So you can white label our UI or you can build, um, build our capabilities into your own application via our APIs. So what we have done is we have introduced the IAL2 verification as a way for parents to, or for patients to validate their identities. Basically what you're gonna do is um, it, we work with Clear and you take a selfie, take a photo of your government ID. The next time you go into the application, all you have to do is take a selfie to prove that you're alive, prove that you are who you are. And then Health Gorilla now has the ability to go to networks and find all of the places that you've had care and pull all of those records back into the application. For reference, the way that patients, for the most part today, are able to access their records is through something called OAuth with Smart on Fire, where they're logging in with their patient portal credentials. We do have that ability. So we also have the ability if a patient doesn't find records via the IAL2-based search, um, then they can go in and do their Smart on Fire patient portal credential and grab those records. But we really love that we've been able to build a mechanism where patients don't have to remember their portal credentials. They are able to go in, verify their identity, and pull down all of this important information, allergies, vital signs, medications, lab data, everything that you would find in the, health, in the same um, health gorilla treatment purpose side of the house, you're also going to find in the individual access, patient access side of the house. April, if I may, not only is the challenge for patients remembering their portal credentials for each of the sites where they may have received care in the past, but also even having portal credentials. You know, not every data holder has a portal. 
not every patient has signed up with every portal for every provider they've ever seen. You know, if you went into a CVS or, you know, had a telehealth visit, there may or may not be that portal access. So the promise of this IAL2 verified access is really potentially and eventually being able to access all of the data through a single authentication. Exactly. Thank you for that. So again, this slide is really to illustrate the type of data that we're pulling in. And it may be that a patient themselves wants to view their own data. Um, most likely with our product, they're working with another organization such as a payer or a um, clinical trial site. And really what they want to do is share that data back with the, um, we call them sponsor organizations. So our product is B to B to B to C. And so we are selling to organizations our capabilities to pull in the data so that they can have their patients verify themselves, pull back their records, and then share with the organization that they want to share with. It's available in um, iframe API, and then we're also uh, we also have SDKs for quick builds. Again, for the most part, we um, our customers build this into the back end of their application. What we really want to maintain is that the patient often has a trusted relationship with their provider organization or their payer, etc. Health Girl is not trying to interrupt that relationship. We're trying to enable that relationship from the background so that you can build this into your application as it stands today. All right, so I'm gonna talk a little bit about some of the use cases here that we see. Um, and before I do that, just, you know, this is another slide that kind of showcases the, um, the differentiators between our products and some of what's out on the market today. Again, what we've really done is we're pushing the envelope on IAL2 verified queries and the ability for patients to get data from all over, wherever they've been seen, without necessarily having to remember their portal credentials or maybe they don't even have portal credentials. So let's say that you're a payer. Let's say that you have a program um, and you're looking for, um, as, you, as you get a new enrollee into your program, you're looking for a way for that patient to be able to share their data with you so that you can actually fulfill their needs in terms of chronic care management or other risk activities. And you want to be able to offer them services, but you need to know which patients to offer them to. You can ask patients to share their data with you so that they can get access to these services at the time of enrollment. That's one use case that we found um, for this new product. One of the other major use cases that I get really excited about because I came out of the clinical trial space is, uh, is using this um, for both clinical trial enrollment and also um, real world data after the fact. So um, I used to work in the Alzheimer's space and I was in kind of the both the volunteer recruitment, longitudinal study recruitment, and we had research coordinators spending four hours a day on a, single, on a single patient gathering their records. $20 an hour, they weren't very well paid, $20 an hour for four hours a day on a single patient to enroll in our longitudinal studies. And we had, you know, study target of 600, 1300. So imagine how long that's taking. Instead, if we could have sent the patient a link, had them log in to the, it was at Vanderbilt, had them log into the Vanderbilt app and say, please share my records from all over, not just those at Vanderbilt, from all over, 
please share those with this study that I would really like to participate in. That would have sped up enrollment exponentially. And it would have gotten the folks that were interested in participating in these trials into the trials more quickly. Additionally, when we're talking about real-world data, after folks have participated in trials or, or longitudinal studies, often they actually want to continue sharing their data with the organization so that the organization can um, follow up over time on those records and see those long-term outcomes. All right. So also, you know, a lot of our primary customers are in um, the digital health space, the telemedicine space. And often, you know, one of the things that um, they struggle with is pulling in the, the patient data at the beginning when you're first, pa first seeing the patient. Obviously, we have some other great products for that as well at Health Gorilla. Um, we have our patient product, which pulls in data um, for the treatment use case. Um, but let's say that you are a, a patient-facing app, and you are helping patients collect their data, again, for maybe chronic care management or something. You don't necessarily have a treatment reason to access the data, but the patients are asking you to aggregate the data for them. That's when you can make use of these Health Gorilla APIs and help the patient pull in that data to share with the application. So it just kind of we're, we're coming to the wrap-up portion. So if you have some uh, questions, we'll be delighted to hear those as we, as we wrap up here. But just a few additional values for early adopters. So individual access services as part of TEFCA and as part of these national networks is something that is definitely here. And that's why we're kicking it off at Health. And it is also... Um, a work in progress. And so one of the things we really are looking for with our early adopter customers here are partners at the table to come with us to shape regulations moving forward around this patient access data as well. So that's one of the major reasons to start now is to take a look at, you know, how do we shape the future of patient access and make sure that the patient's right for their data to follow them at every point in the care continuum is honored. I think you make a really good point, Avery, that this really is a work in progress, that we have a number of endpoints that are now able and willing to share data in response to patient queries. The care equality framework recently approved a new policy, and we've got a renewed group working on that within care equality. TEFCA is coming. We're anticipating go live before the end of the year, hopefully. Um, and, and there is going to be more and more uptake of this. But it is a great opportunity for folks to get involved early, to participate in the discussion, and to drive forward the use cases. Yes, and so um, kind of as a final thought here, our salespeople are on the floor and they are interoperability experts. On their phone, they have a copy of our patient app access UI that you can play with. Um, you can, I, it does not have PHI in it, don't worry. Um, but you can play with the workflow and check it out. So really highly encourage you to find one of the um, salespeople on the floor so that you can take a look at their um, the workflow on their iPhones. Um, what you're going to do is... Um, Basically, you'll watch them go through the
process of the clear verification. You'll also be able to take a look at the Smart on Fire OAuth process as well, and then take a look at what type of data is coming into the application. So with that, I am going to once again ask Dr. Stephen Lane for any final words, and then we will take questions. Look, at, I think just the, the points that we made at the beginning is that this is something that we've been doing for a long time in healthcare, giving patients access to their data, but it's been very, very frustrating. You know, whether you're moving across the country, enrolling in a clinical trial, applying for, you know, some new coverage, et cetera, there are many opportunities where patients can authorize access. And today, there's a paper, fax, lengthy, expensive, time-consuming, and human resource-consuming process. So being able to finally, after many years, move this into a fire-based exchange where you can integrate the patient authentication uh, into the process is going to be great. And as I think you said, Avery, we are, you know, at Health Gorilla building our product to both support the IAL2, you know, one-time authentication for multiple queries, as well as supporting the OAuth process, which is well established. A number of the major EHR vendors have that up and running today with Apple Health, Common Health, and others. And there are rules that say that, uh, that providers must make this data available upon request, the information blocking rules. I think that's another point I wanted to make is that many providers um, are challenged by meeting the requirements of the information blocking prohibitions. And embedding this kind of a patient access solution is a great way to meet those requirements and to remain compliant with that. All right, any audience questions? Hi, I really think this is gonna change uh, uh, lives, save a lot of lives, so congratulations. Um, First question is what data doesn't come in? So I understand you showed everything that comes in just to understand what's out of scope. And second question is what percentage come, what percentage come back? So, so if I get a consent, what, what's your experience in the average percentage of my information that would come in? Yes, those are great questions. So in terms of the data that comes in, what we are talking about for the most part is clinical encounter data. So anything that has happened within the EHR with a provider, that clinical encounter data is what we're bringing back. Structured and unstructured. Mm -hmm. and, then, and then Health Gorilla does our magic on the deduplication, normalization, and converting into fire resources. Um, what doesn't come back is right now we don't have claims data included but it's something that's on our roadmap to add into this product. Um, in terms of percentages that we're get back, getting back, so on the, um, sorry, my microphone keeps cutting in and out. Yeah. Let's try this one. So um, on the percentages that we get back, on the old method, the smart on fire method, where at 70 to 80% of people are able to access their record. In the new method, the IAL2 verification, we're at about 15% right now. And 15, yep. And that's what we're building over time. So this is where we're looking for early adopters to um, help shape the regulations. Um, once TAFCA is live, which will be fairly soon here, um, or the QHINs are live under TAFCA, we will see a bump in the uh, percentage of records that come back. And then we will continue to see bumps over time as additional nodes are added through TAFCA. So it's something that's going to build over about the next six months. Um, and so right now we're looking 
looking for the early adopters. The other thing you asked was about the data that's going to come back. So today it's going to be mostly data that's going to come back through CCDs received from provider organizations. And as we all know, those are variable, you know, depending on what EHR they're using, what local configuration choices they've made. We know that there's a requirement today for all of the USCDI version 1 data classes and elements to be included in that. It's part of the CCD standard. And then what we're anticipating is that, that they're going to raise that to USCDI version 3 in the next ONC role that's expected out in the next couple of months. All right, we've got another question over here. Oh, I see. Thank you for hosting this session. Um, very excited to be here. Some of the use cases you um, described, you said patients might be partnering with payers or with other third parties, perhaps for TPO type use cases. Um, I hope it's not out of scope for the question, but I was w wondering if you'd be uh, able to touch on bulk fire regulations and where, when we can expect those uh, types of use cases to be live. I mean, there is, there is a lot of federal enthusiasm for supporting bulk fire queries. Um, I think, again, bulk fire is really just the same as individual. You just sort of batch them up and, and ask for them all at once. So this would certainly support that. Again, this is patient access. So if you've got 100,000 you know, 100, patients that have enrolled in a program, they've signed you know, as part of this program, I want you to collect my records and do A, B, and C with them, then that would, that would be fine. But you know, we, we are involved in the standards development, looking at the evolution of the bulk fire standards. But at this point, there's no reason why we couldn't use this same solution on large groups of people. It doesn't have to be one at a time. Sure, we'd have to connect you with our developers to, to make that clear. Okay. Other questions? Yeah. Ron, why don't you introduce yourself too? Yeah, so I'm, I'm uh, Ron Hashman. I'm a physician by training and in health tech. I'm, I'm an investor in health tech as well, and I'm very interested in, in what you're doing. Uh, there is a word in the street that uh, uh, the uh, EMR providers don't like that, and they're trying to uh, block the ability to actually get complete and uh, complete data is and, and doesn't sound right to me but i wanted to know if there is any any attempts to actually block this this effort so i i don't think it's actually an attempt to block it um, what we see is that a number of the large emrs because they are accustomed to really high volumes of queries for data you know, they, they see the challenges of the IL-2 model. They've already embraced the, the OAuth model that utilizes the portal credentials. If they're using portal credentials, they, those EMRs avoid liability for any breaches or, or inappropriate releases that might occur. So I think that what we're seeing is, is really these parallel paths. The IL-2 path is going to be much more scalable, it's going to be much more automated, it's going to allow more broad access over time. The OAuth model, well established, already in use. So by combining the two, uh, you have the best of both worlds. I think what we, what we know is OAuth works at scale in those same large EMR systems. IAL2 is going to be kind of the new kid on the block, and we're going to see it scaling up over time. All right. With that, we will close our session. Thank you so much for coming.